Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We come to eighth time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Thursday to all of you. Nice to be with you. Appreciate you getting up with us. We are with you until 10 a.m. this morning. I'm Sean Pendergast. He is Seth Payne. How's your throwing arm today, Seth? You feeling okay? I've, yeah, for now. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows how it'll feel Witty. later today? Probably just gonna. After a bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Dana Brown, um, you know, and then Dana Brown was kind enough to talk about how awesome the Braves were last year, except that their starting pitching uh, was on fumes by the end of the year. Mm. And uh, oh, thanks, man. Thanks, thanks. It's just what I need to hear when when Lance McCullers is going down and yeah. Verlander is gone and we're still not exactly sure exactly what Hunter Brown will be as a starter. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have I'd love to have a seven man rotation. Like It'd be great. So I didn't hear this. Dana Brown was talking. So is he pulling a Sean Payton? His, <clears throat> it was like when Payton was, all, all Payton would talk about was the Saints, the entire Broncos press conference. <laughs> <laughs> I he might have, that might have been in his introductory press okay. conference. I was looking for another quote, and I was kind of running through like a collection of quotes I have on my uh, of transcripts I have in my Google Doc. So I don't know exactly when he said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I copy and paste a lot of stuff that I intend to read later that day. And sometimes it gets read like two weeks later. It just sits there. Yeah. I know how that Sometime goes. Sometime between now and when Dana Brown was hired, he right. talked about how okay. that the, he actually thought the Braves last year. Well, this is not yeah, You know what, right? Sean, you're right. He talked about how he thought the Braves were actually better last year than they were the year before, which feels a lot like, hey, you know, we could have beat you guys yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That year we beat you in the World Series, we weren't quite as good. Yeah. Yeah, last year we were even better. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are probably lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the the um, if you wonder why we're talking about all this arm trouble in pitching, it's because of Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers um, is, has been reported throughout the week, is dealing with some arm soreness following a bullpen session. He finally met with the media yesterday to talk about this. So let's let's dig into this here and what this means for the Astros. Here first is Lance revealing when the injury happened. Yeah, you know, I uh, had a great offseason and was incredibly excited uh, for the year. Um, felt like uh, was in an amazing spot physically and uh, got to camp early um, through a bullpen here last Tuesday. And unfortunately, after that bullpen, nothing during the bullpen uh, raised any red flags, just after the bullpen into the evening and into the next day. It's had some um, some elbow soreness and things of that nature. Okay, so he's going to be held out for a few weeks, but fortunately, as he revealed yesterday, they did an MRI and nothing serious. Taking a couple of days to you know collect myself and our thoughts, and it's uh, it's not it's not something serious. We had an MRI last night. Uh, we went ahead and did an MRI, and um, everything is structurally good. Probably best case scenario, my UC, my UCL is good. Just a small muscle strain, and uh, going to set me back a little bit, but it shouldn't be anything like last year. It should be something where hopefully I'm I'm playing catch in a you know a couple weeks. Okay. I, okay. Go ahead, Seth. You, your well, reaction. A small muscle strain, I know, is what. what it, let's remember, it was a flexor strain, a, a muscle strain that led him to missing five months last, last year. year. So yeah. it's yeah, like the, the the strain in a pitcher. We've learned this through the Astros, and uh, like, I'm not faulting Lance McCullers for this at all. Lance McCullers is incredibly open about exactly what the issue is right now. But yeah, we know that soreness or discomfort. Uh, does not always mean that it's no big deal. Sometimes discomfort ends up being uh, UCL surgery for Justin Verlander. You know, after, yeah. after trying after trying to 
As you're questioning the credibility of the Chronicles beat writer for months, you decide to say, like, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, I got to get Tommy John. Yep, yeah, yeah. So, so um, Lance, Lance isn't going to be ready for opening day. He revealed that yesterday. Small muscle strain, shut down for a few weeks. He said opening day is out of the question. Um, this, this feels like a lot of deja vu. And here, here's where I'm, where I'm at with Lance McCullough, Seth. And I hate, I hate to have to process it this way because I like Lance a lot. And he's as popular an Astro as there is. He's ride or die, Houston, all those things. Um, I'm just the, the healthy place to be as an Astros fan for me is I'm just not counting on him anymore. Like, whatever, right, right, whatever, yeah. like, the, to me, the rotation is Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy, Luis Garcia, and Hunter Brown. And if Lance McCullers comes back, he comes back. But I am now going into the 2023 season. The same way I ultimately wind up at various points throughout other seasons of Lance McCullers' career, which is I'm going to pretend he's not on the team right now. Yeah, and I think there's a danger, too, and sometimes because the Astros have done such a good job with bringing up pitching prospects who didn't, who weren't formerly number one prospects, they weren't in Keith Law's top 100 or anything. Like Lance. They, I think... Yeah, or, but it's, you know, especially like Urquidy, Javier, right. Garcia, um... They, these guys kind of appear and they just show up and they're ready to go. I think there's a it, it can be hazardous to just assume that's how it's going to go for Hunter Brown or or anybody else. So you get nervous. So like right now, okay, it feels like you've gone from having seven starters last year where a couple guys injured at any given time was no big deal. To now it's like you've got five and a half starters and one of them is Hunter Brown who you don't even really know for sure yet exactly what he is. So that's uh, it's it feels more precarious than last it year. It does. Well, there's no wiggle room. Last year they had seven yeah. starters. There was wiggle room. Justin, Justin Verlander goes down with a, a calf injury and, and you've still got six guys you can throw out there down the stretch to, to go eat up some innings and win some baseball games for you. You, you, are, you are relying on five guys below the age of 30 now to go carry well, this and, thing. Yeah, and remember Javier too is still, <laughs> you know, go, this will be the first time you're going in really expecting yeah. him to be a full time starting pitcher. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, lot of uncertainty there, and I'm kind of I'm here for it. I'm kind of enjoying it. I feel uh, I feel I feel like uh, this is uh, this is a little bit of uncertainty. Instead of wringing my hands about having too many good quality starting pitchers, I like going into a year thinking, okay, how the hell are they going to pull this off? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, like 2020. I, it's too, it's super intriguing. I hate it for Lance. I mean, I watched the media session yesterday and you can tell, you can just tell by the look on his face. You can tell by the answer, the way he's answering some of the questions. Like this is starting to really outwardly wear on him. I'm sure internally it's worn on him since he had to have Tommy John surgery. That's a big deal. Yeah. He's, he was, I don't want to say he was cracking a little bit in the media session yesterday, but he was, as you point out, very open about his emotions with all this. I feel terrible for him, especially because he's getting paid now. I mean, he's not getting paid Verlander money, but he's getting paid good money, and I can guarantee you Lance McCullers is, feels more guilty than anybody about this injury. I, I remember, like, because I started getting a bunch of injuries towards the end of my career. I was older in football years than Lance's. Um, and, like, I remember seeing Gra John Grano on the sideline. I was, I was in street clothes because I can't even remember which injury it was. And I was talking to John because John was the sideline reporter, mm -hmm. you know. So I was just talking to him off mic, off the record or whatever. And uh, and it was like, it was like uh, as I was talking to him, it was like, 
basically, oh, yeah, I've been fighting this forever, but, yeah, I'm injury prone. Like, I just am. Like, what am I going to say? What, am I going to argue it? I've had, you know, however many injuries in the last three years, I'm injury prone. So, like, I got I to gotta figure out how to deal with that. And it's a, it's a hard place to kind of reconcile with yourself because you, you can't just go forward assuming you're going to get injured, but you know that that's a knock on you, and there's no really ar- there's no real argument against it. So I don't maybe maybe at this point it's some you know Lance starts making that transition to to reliever, uh, you know, or which would be hell on earth in a good way. I think if he were to come I, in I'd... and throw his curve yeah. and some of his stuff just for for what or long relief, whatever it might be. I brought yeah. that up. I brought that possibility up with McLean yesterday when we were recording the podcast. John McLean, who's yeah. down in West Palm Beach, you can see John standing right next to Lance when he's doing his media session. And John's response was, he doesn't want to do that. I'm like, I know he doesn't yeah, want we to know. do it, John. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's well established. I, I know yeah. he doesn't want <laughs> yeah. to. I'm like at some you. point, though, does that become yeah. like the hard reality is well, that, okay, my best asset might be. if I, you're, What's the old saying? The best ability is availability. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. And if, and if his best option of being available is to be a reliever, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is, because one of the things Lance said yesterday, and we'll have more Lance throughout the show today, he said a lot of things, was, you know, I hope to get back early and I can still pitch 150, 160 innings. I'm like, maybe 82 innings would be good for you in small bursts. <laughs> you remember the one year he's coming back and Luno himself had floated out there, uh, I wanted to say 190 innings or something. Yeah. And, like, somebody quoted Luno and Lance went after the person who quoted Luno on yeah. social media. As in, like, he was expecting 220 or something. Yeah. Something, yeah. Uh, you know, something absurd, yeah. He's just, that's how he's wired. Sure, and sure. That, and I've always worried about Lance, honestly, in a lot of ways. He's, he actually referenced yesterday some of the lessons you learn about coming back too fast in rehab. Like, he's got that mentality where he's always going to be pushing as hard as possible, and sometimes that's the worst thing you can do during, during a rehab. All right, we'll talk more about Lance McCullers as we go on throughout the show, but that's the first bit of... Uh, I would say bad news out of Astros spring training is the uh, Lance McCullers going to be on the shelf for a few weeks to rest his throwing arm. Up next, is there a rebuild going on in the AFC South that is not the Houston Texans? We got indications yesterday. Maybe it is. We'll talk about that next. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you. All right, so Seth. What's is, up? Is t- hey, how you doing? <laughs> um, what's, is, up? what's up? You want to talk? Or yeah, yeah. Let's chit chat here. Um, I'm not a big phone guy. <laughs> ten- no, neither am I. Are the Tennessee Titans oh. in a rebuild, or as Lamont puts it here on the trailer wheel and frame text page? Tennessee doesn't seem like a rebuild. It's more of a bankruptcy reorganization. I think that's a good analogy for those who that's missed it. Way. Yeah, the Tennessee Titans. They did some they did some house cleaning yesterday, including two former Texans. Um, Randy Bullock is no longer a Tennessee Titan. Zach Cunningham, we'll get to that, is no longer a Tennessee Titan. The big name that got cut, big names, were Taylor Lewan and Robert Woods. Lewan, the big one. Lewan is a former <laughs> All Pro. Yeah. Now a very good podcaster. I will say I do like bussing with the boys when I listen to yeah, it. Yeah, it's annoying that he's good at that. He's good at um, that, yeah. He's also, though, he's injured. They released him while injured, as was Zach Cunningham. Some of that's just a technicality, basically, because if for some reason that injury turned into something that they couldn't play with next year, then they're still owed a certain amount of their contract. Yeah. But um, did you know this about Taylor Lewan? I Somehow I missed all of this. Was that he... He and the Watt brothers have a feud based on the fact that Taylor Lewan 
has both spit in TJ Watt's face during a football game and kicked him in the groin while he was down in a football game. I and then he tried to this. do that thing. He did this thing where he, he asked TJ to come on his podcast, didn't hear back from TJ, and he thought that by going public with it um, that maybe then TJ would come on and did the old, like, I apologize to him. Like, dude, you're, like, obviously trying to get him on your podcast. You're making a public apology as a way to get some kind of clout. He's a weird dude, man. Yeah. He's just, like, he's a really good football player, but he's a weird dude. I wonder – I do wonder if some teams are going to look at Taylor Lewan and be like, I don't know, right, this is a whole lot of extra baggage for for whatever the hell you are now. Well, he's he's kind of made it clear he's not sure he wants to play football anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's, he's just stick to podcasting. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, so but Lewan is the big name because he's the, out of all these guys, he's the one with the with the gaudiest resume. He's a former All-Pro. Yeah. He's a really good player when he's healthy. Um Robert Woods, uh wide receiver who played one year in Tennessee and it was not great. Um, he was banged up as well. Randy Bullock, who has been in the NFL way longer than I thought he would when he was drafted in 2012 by the Houston Texans. And then Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham's back out there on the market, Seth. He is yeah. uh, available. Cunningham's a, a tough one. I saw. I knew. I found out that Cunningham had been released because I had about five different people in my DMs um, inquire about re-signing him or adamant that we should re-sign Zach Cunningham. The tough thing with Cunningham is that it's weird. Like, in the modern NFL especially, and, and you know, Sean, I believe that – I feel like you and I were onto this a long time ago. Um, he cares more about stopping the run than he does covering <laughs> cover, uh, pass coverage. And that's hard in the modern NFL if you don't – it's not even that he's bad at pass coverage. It looks like he just doesn't care about right. it. So he stalks the line of scrimmage, and he comes up with these highlight reel tackles, and that's awesome. But a lot of times it's at the expense of participating in pass coverage. Yeah. So I think that one thing Vrabel did a good job of was getting him to just participate in pass coverage. And I think he was better in Tennessee at, at pass coverage and playing his responsibilities than he was here in Houston. For whatever reason, he just didn't respond to Romeo Cornell, or maybe they employed him differently. So I think he improved as a player in some respects, but he's just not worth that huge contract that Bill O'Brien gave him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then that's and and he's cut now. So my guess is yeah. that he's you know the contract. If he, if he were to come back here, obviously it wouldn't be on an O'Brien Easterby contract. It would be on something. Else. Would you bring him back? Here? I mean, he kind of quit on the team the last year he was here. He would quit on he quit on the team or at least he desperate he he wanted out. I mean, we were getting word that he wanted out far before things culminated. Preseason, he sat out a preseason yeah. game with personal reasons. I guess the the whole my whole theory on that era of Texans football is that I can't you got to be careful in judging somebody for how they act in a dysfunctional situation. Like am I going to judge somebody harshly for basically being a whistleblower in some respects. We're yeah. saying like, whoa, this is messed up, bro. Now in football, it's tricky because it's kind of like the military in, in that it's an authoritarian structure. And there is an element of like, yeah, look, all right, you're the foot soldier. Just do what you're going to do. It's not your job to whine and complain about whatever's going up on, on with the officers. But at the same time, it's not the freaking military. It's not, no. it's not life and death. No. You know, it's a, it's a, this is a, at the end of the day, this is a business. So... I don't know. I like. I, I think a lot of that would come down to okay, what kind of relationship does Casario have with? Well, John Robinson's not there anymore with the Titans, but um, with either, and he doesn't have a. I guess he would have some relationship with Vrabel. I don't know sure. how much from yeah. when Vrabel was a player, but you know that that doesn't. 
a front office slash offensive position coach guy doesn't necessarily form a tight yeah. bond with with an outside linebacker. But um, yeah, depending on like what Cunningham was as a as a person and as a player there in Tennessee, it's a possibility for sure. I mean, he, he's obviously got some very good skills. There's just always, there's a little bit of a downside. So how did he how did he act in a function? Because Nick was here. I mean, Nick was the one who cut Zach Cunningham, so yeah. he was here for. For that, but what you're saying is, okay, how did he do when, when things were in a more normalized situation? How right, was he? yeah. yeah. And, and uh, look, every NFL organization, like any organization on earth, has some dysfunction. It's not like there are, like there's a perfect example. But, um, yeah, was he, was he responsive to coaching? Was he playing his responsibilities? All those kinds of things. Um, so the, the Titans, to, to the analogy of the uh, bankruptcy reorg as opposed to the teardown and rebuild, um, they were $25 million over the cap when they woke up yesterday. They are now several million under the cap with these, with these moves here. So they're, um, you know what they are right now uh, to, to carry out Lamont's, you know, Lamont trying to find a different uh, explanation for what they are. Yeah. They're like somebody who's just lost a bunch of weight, but you can tell that it doesn't quite fit them yet. You know, like, we're like, okay, I know they lost 50 pounds, but they lost it in like three weeks and it doesn't look like they're, uh, they're, <laughs> they're like more comfortable or that their life has improved yet. They're going to have to grow into that new weight. I think that's where Tennessee is right now. They're like, boy, we lost a lot of weight, but I'm so tired. I'm just so tired all the time. Yeah. I shiver at night when I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) Sounds like you've been there before. And the doctor won't fill my strip because it's three weeks early. Okay, whatever, bro. I need some of this stuff now. The good stuff. Um, The tell with Tennessee will be what they do with the quarterback position as to how they feel about where they're at right now, like is, his, is yeah, is Ryan Tannehill the next Texans bridge quarterback? Yeah, well, is he on the team or do you know? And 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 if they replace him, if they replace him, are they replacing him with Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, or are they yeah. putting the ball into Malik Willis's hands and seeing where it goes? You know, well, yeah, because this is this is a move to get down to below the cap before the deadline, but then you got to make further aggressive moves with some of your other guys on the team if you want to actually fit in an Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is he's 60 million bucks before I'm guessing whoever trades for Aaron Rodgers if he gets traded yeah. would do a restructure with him to move some of that money around but still it's a he's a pricey high ticket item. I'll tell you another thing man, the more I read about this darkness retreat the fact that Aaron Rodgers is only doing four days makes me feel like, yeah, dude, this this guy half-asses everything. This guy's just a whole bunch of natural ability and not much more. Everything I read is that the good stuff starts on day four. That's where you really start to – things start to happen, like the life-altering changes and everything. feels like he's going to dip his toe in the water and be like, yeah, I'm cool, bro. You would think that would be in. a selling point of it to stick around longer, right? This he is when the feels, yeah, yeah, good stuff yeah. kicks in. He feels a little bit like the guy who always carries a book around, you know? Like yep. a, he's always carrying a book of philosophy around or something, but there's curiously few creases in the binder. Uh, it just uh, it, it looks like a little bit might be for show. Yeah. I love that we started talking about dark retreats literally 10 days ago and 30 seconds ago you just said, the more research I do on these dark retreats, something to that effect, that you're still reading about dark retreats entertains me greatly. <laughs> it's um, yesterday... I saw a guy, he was on the Rich Eisen show, who I, 
I don't think he was. It was, it was funny. They were talking. Anyway, um, but the, the, the way he described how he changed after each of these darkness retreats, uh, it was intriguing. It was very intriguing. It was a good sell for a darkness retreat. And most of the places you can go to do this, like we discovered, they're not doing it at an exorbitant price. No. They, they feel like genuinely like good people that are trying to help people. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? I know they, they might be plundering your bank account while you're sealed away for 10 days. I think that's a key. You got to be sure. Don't, don't let any potential burglars know that you're going to be gone and completely away from any kind of electronic communication for 10 days. Right, like, right. For somebody to get you, they got to pay they got to pay like a Guatemalan to hike through the jungle to deliver a handwritten note to read to somebody be if careful. you if, if there's an emergency. Yeah. yeah, no, dude, they're way cheaper than the vacation Amy and I are planning. I'm I'm my, I might pivot and go to a dark retreat for our summer vacation. You're going to basically sell Amy on this awesome awesome vacation that involves just sitting in a dark room away from each other where you eat nothing but rice and a little yeah. bit of fish for 10 days. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You're going to save some money, man. Okay, well, we want it to be a little less like our actual life. That actually describes exactly how we live day to day right now. We just sit in a dark room eating fish and rice and staring what straight ahead. What would happen What would happen? if you did a 10-day darkness retreat and then came home on a cruise line? <laughs> like if you, if you went from complete deprivation to nothing but abundance – and exorbitantly so. I'm going to tell you what would happen. I would get sick. Because I yeah. get sick with big swings. Like like big swings in weather yeah. and temperature. I get sick when that happens. Right. It's like if you bring it, like when they, if they rescue a shipwrecked person, they got to be really careful like to, to parse out how much food they give them. Because if not, they'll eat it all and they'll throw it all up and then they'll eat it yes. all up again and they'll throw it. Yeah. I would you get turn sick. them into instant, instant bulimia and Boom. all of a sudden there's a very special episode about this person. <laughs> Thank you. And you're like, oh my gosh, they were shipwrecked for 48 days? Did it destroy their lives? Like, no, they were fine when we picked them up. But now they just, now they they binge and purge all They're day long. Sick all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, way too early power rankings in the NFL that actually have really good news for the oh, Houston Texans. Yeah, hell yeah, that's next. Yeah. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio six ten presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a Thursday. Good to be with you. All right, the Athletic athletic.com uh has the way too early nfl power rankings it's never too early that's why i find it ironic three things i love power rankings never too early mock drafts never too early and purely subjective rankings of the top 100 players in any sport never too early for that it's never too early for that like you actually look forward to like top 100 rankings dude the nfl top 100 is must see tv for me yeah i know yeah you actually look forward to february and july february and july are typically like the slowest worst months especially when the rockets suck it's bad man it's bad it's bad in a normal year but when the rockets suck february is really slow tough because there's just nothing because even people that don't like basketball will still like they'll hang around for like oh harden put up 40 on this on the Spurs or something yep. like that. Um, it's just there's there's not a whole lot of oh no Jalen Green is injured still. Okay, yeah. that's yep. great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, to- totally, totally. All right, so these way too early power rankings, Seth. I've become conditioned <clears throat> with any power rankings of the NFL over the last two years to just yeah. just do that thing where you run your finger through on your cursor and just just go whoosh, straight down yeah. to the bottom of the article to see if the Texans are 31 or 32. A lot of people say, hey, Seth, just do Control-F. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's part of the price you pay and the commitment that you make 
to uh, being a fan of a team that's at the bottom. Yeah. You got to put that work in now so that someday you can sit there with your carpal tunnel uh, brace on and not have to scroll down because you're sitting up there in the top five. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Dude, my tricep, you could shoe a horse with my tricep because of where the Texans are in the power rankings. You you look like Jeremy Pena. Yeah, 100%. There was a big buzz at the sports radio convention this year about Sean showing up looking like Jeremy Pena. On my right arm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You look like. uh, you look like Silver uh, Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. Yes. Like you sit here, you sit here in the studio with like this pulley contraption you've got. Damn right. <laughs> to, to work your scrolling muscles. <laughs> How about this? Twenty seventh in these way too early power rankings, the Houston Texans. Twenty. Mm. Yeah. Tw- take right. that NFL. Twenty seventh. Yeah. You want to hear what they have to say about them, Seth? I've, I've, I sure do. Okay, here I'm we bask go. In this glory. Here Hell we yeah. go. Um, Houston is banging on trash cans. And oh, what the hell? Oh, God, what the hell? Wait, what? What? What is it? We're catching strays? Let me see. Who, the, let me see. Who what wrote the? That you can't even give us this? this? Bo Wolf. Uh, Some guy named Bo Wolf. W-L- oh, no, he's w- the worst. Bo- W-U-L-F. Bo Wolf. Bo Wolf is the athletics equivalent of like a 1970s zany weatherman. Uh, <laughs> is he really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's awful. He's the one that wrote that fake story about, about Nick Casario getting coffee at Starbucks. Oh, that was the, the worst. Okay. Well, yeah. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to think now. He has him 27. I'm guessing his real name isn't even Bo Wolf. He just thought that sounded metal. Right. You know, like, right. yeah, I'm going to become like his actual name is like, you know, Jim Sauce and Franken or something like that. <laughs> uh, here's what he says. Houston is banging on trash cans, and not in a funny way, because this could be a home run offseason for the Texans. He's a zany, goofy guy. <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's return to the Texans is inspiring, while the tandem of picks, number 2 and 12, give the team hope for the kind of star talent that would help, that could help it take advantage of a relatively weak AFC South. Assuming that first pick is either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, it's easy to envision the Texans being one of the more interesting teams to follow in 2023. If we can get past the horrible jokes in the first sentence, I kind of agree yeah. with the rest of what he says right there. I'll allow it. I'll allow it, Bo Wolf. Yeah. Um, you know, the crazy thing about that, so you wrote this story that Sean and I, like it, somebody sent it to us in the middle of a segment, and it was hard to under, I was hard to, it was one of those things where it was meant to be satire, but it was kind of hard to tell that it was. So you couldn't quite know what to make of it. So he wrote this thing about Nick Casario getting a black coffee and then taking a sip of it, not liking it, handing it back, and then getting the exact same coffee drink. Yeah. And like the analogy was, the joke was that he was exchanging Lovey Smith or David Culley for Lovey Smith. And I'm like, this. I feel like this guy is trying to sound super woke in a very racist way. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the hell? Whoa, wait a second. Right. Like, okay, so Lovey Smith and David Cully are just the same guys right. because yeah. of the, the coffee element? Like, what the hell? <laughs> so Bo Wolf can go die. Like, yeah. Um, th- thanks for the number 27 ranking, Bo Wolf. I'll attend your funeral with it. Uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll make a – I'll laminate a printout of this article and hang it around my uh, my neck like a... Like At a his funeral. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's what I like about this. Let's divorce ourselves from who wrote it. From his, his blatant racism? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was a okay. different story. This story where he's got the Texans 27th in the power rankings. Here's what I like about it. He's got two teams in the AFC South below the Texans in the power rankings. Yeah, they're pathetic. Two of the five teams... Are in the yeah. AFC South. The Texans, yeah, they may be 27th in these power rankings, Seth, but they are number two in the AFC South. When was the last time we could say that? A long time ago. 
28, Indianapolis Colts. 29, Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Titans are down bad, man. Yeah. Down bad. Things are rough out there. Nobody knows, though. Look, uh, Vrabel, I mean, it has all the appearances of Vrabel having run John Robinson out of town. But I think Vrabel is just so popular, and for good reasons, that nobody really wants to accuse him of that. Uh, but it, but it also, nobody really wants to stick up for John Robinson, the GM of the Titans, because he traded away A.J. Brown and, right. and tried to replace him with an asthmatic White rookie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the asthma. No. I'm laughing at the fact that they seem to be shocked by the fact right. that he had asthma. Traylon Burks. Yeah. Can you imagine the owner coming down like, so who is the guy wheezing over there? That's our replacement for AJ Brown. So it turns out he's got asthma. I presume we knew about this. Yes. Sure. <laughs> sure, we did. Yeah. You should see when he's not wheezing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Washington Football Commandos, 30th on this power rankings. Saints, 31st. Arizona Cardinals, 32. Boy, that could be. Yeah. Boy, watching the Cardinals fail this year could be a whole lot of fun with Jonathan Gannon and his little pew, 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 pew thing going on and. Kyler Murray further failing and things like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. What is that, man? Well, the um, the offensive coordinator there for the Cardinals, that's the guy that used to be with the Browns, right? That's um, Yeah, he's Deshaun's old QB coach. He was the quarterback's coach from Deshaun last year. Deshaun, who finished the season uh, amidst the likes of a little bit above Zach Wilson in, like, the PFF grades, yes. a little bit below Baker Mayfield, I think, who went out. And Baker, poor Baker Mayfield, honestly. Like, most of his grades are based on showing up, uh, like, 30 minutes before his Off first start with the Rams. To start yeah. a Thursday night football game. Okay, who's going to get offended on the Cardinals by this write-up? One of the things they said that they lost um, – their best defensive players, including J.J. Watt or yeah. Zach Allen and Byron Murphy, are going to be free agents. Yep. It, but I, I don't know. I, it, it's it's hard to find a lot of fault with that. Um, this is this is going to be an interesting year for the Cardinals, and I don't feel like, uh, boy, what do you do with Kyler Murray? He's not going to. If you give a bad contract to Aaron Rodgers, he still has trade value. If you give a bad contract to Kyler Murray, he's going to have trade value, but it's. Is it going to be the same as Aaron Rodgers? Even though Aaron Rodgers is forty, do, what do you think? What's your gut tell you? Do people are people more willing to take a gamble on Aaron Rodgers or Kyler Murray? Uh, Rodgers clearly, because whatever it is you're doing, it's for whatever the the, the window of the contract is. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers has a couple of years left, and you trade for him to get a two year window. Nobody's trading a first he's, round pick or multiple yeah. picks for Kyler Murray. No chance. Yeah, he's still a rental. The only yeah. thing with Kyler Murray is there is like never underestimate the arrogance of some NFL coaches. I mean, there are people out there who think like, yeah, well, I mean, he hasn't played for me. You know, he's totally. stuck there with like Cliff Kingsbury is a college coach. And yes. I know like I, people, for, people still oddly somehow want to take up for Cliff Kingsbury and tell me he's a good offensive coordinator. Um, I just, I have yet to see it. I saw a guy with a whole bunch of talent on offense that just relied on those guys um, doing it on their own, basically. So, uh, so I think there are people out there that would be interested in seeing, okay, what if I really had some time with Kyler Murray, what could I do with him? Yeah. I think they're wrong, but they will think like that. Yeah, I just don't think they want to do it at $45 million a year. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't think people have an issue. I don't think teams have an issue trading for Aaron Rodgers' contract. I think people would have an issue trading for Kyler Murray's contract. Where are the Denver Broncos on here? They're, they're 21st. So uh, this, this power ranking that has the Broncos 21st, admittedly, as they say, puts a lot of faith in Sean Payton. Yeah. R Russell Wilson has to benefit from having a grown-up in charge. 
And if you can just sort of stay out of the way, a healthy Javante Williams can play part play part of Alvin Kamara for Peyton. Um, so who's – wait, Russell Wilson is just supposed to stay out of the way? Yeah, I think the he in there – yeah, pronouns, dude. I think the he is Russell Wilson in that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if he can just – yeah, because that's what you want out of your franchise quarterback. Just stay out of the way. <laughs> the guy you're giving $45 million a year to. Hey, if you can just stay out of the way – well, that was the whole Colin Coward theory, as presumably told to him by Sean Payton, was that they need to show him highlights of back when he was a good player and also spend more time with the fellas. Right. Like, okay, nobody wants to hang out with Russell Wilson. That's no. the problem. No. It's not, it's not that, it's, it's not that, like, Russell Wilson wanting to have his own staff and everything isn't as much of a problem as that Russell Wilson is the kind of guy that needs to have a staff around to have friends. Yes. It's, uh, it's like, that's just what it is. So, I, yeah, I don't see – I do think Sean Payton is incredibly bright offensively. I don't know exactly how he's going to salvage this offense with Russell Wilson as a quarterback. Um, and I know these are just one person's subjective power rankings, but I think this will be a trend. The Cleveland Browns, 24th. <laughs> Which I, I don't think there's a team in professional sports that I'm rooting against harder than the Cleveland Browns. This is across all – this is across – basketball this includes the new york yankees and the los angeles dodgers yeah. the cleveland browns when i wake up and part of it is the texans still have first round draft capital to think about in 2024 but yeah. the other part of it is the other part of it is cleveland deserves whatever they get out of this whole thing well the the interesting thing about the texans is they seem to have stumbled onto what the new business model is for nfl teams in some ways is look we'll give a guy a huge contract even if it doesn't feel quite right and all that guaranteed money eventually will just be part of purchasing draft picks. Yep. So, I mean, the Texans didn't plan it out that way, but it kind of works out that way that you give a guy like Aaron Rodgers a bunch of guaranteed money, and if it doesn't work out over the course of that year, then you trade him. But, okay, how much, how much, how much is three first-round picks worth? Teams would pay a lot of money if they could just plunk down a bunch of cap space for three first-round picks, and and that's what you got out of Deshaun Watson. Do you think that becomes a more regular thing, teams trading, that the price tag for a franchise quarterback in his prime, not Aaron Rodgers at age 38, I'm talking like Lamar Jackson would be a good example of whether or not this could happen this offseason. Do you yeah. think it becomes more normal now, or at least more frequent, that quarterbacks in their prime are traded for major draft capital. Like Deshaun felt like a total outlier because of the situation, and he demanded a trade. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's not demanding a trade. The Ravens just don't want to pay him what he thinks he's worth. It's. I mean, I, I feel like it's already happened a couple times where it's not. That might not be the plan to begin with, but it ends up being um, the way it works out. And yeah. I think t the reason these trades get made, because remember, like all these old line NFL guys, like Andrew Brandt would say, well, no, there's no way in hell Antonio Brown gets traded. There's no way in hell Deshaun Watson gets traded. There's no way in hell all these guys get traded until you start to see like, oh, okay, well, they've, they, and Andrew Brandt would wring his hands over the fact that these teams trade, you know, gave these guys all this guaranteed money. At the end of the day, when you look at the, the ledger, you're like, oh, okay, well, you ended up giving him $50 million guaranteed, but that makes him more appetizing to another team that can trade, like the Rams. The Rams will trade draft picks, and they get a guy that's got a relatively good cap figure, and meanwhile, the, the team getting the draft picks foots the bill. We're probably getting way too nerdy here, but it's just it's, it's becoming more and more acceptable, and I, I think that's one thing where 
I won't be 100% shocked if the Texans don't take a quarterback in this draft, partly because I think that both D'Amico Ryans has seen this with the 49ers and Nick Casario has seen this with the Patriots and just the NFL in general and with him trading Deshaun Watson to the Browns. That there's just so many different ways you can come by a starting, starting quarterback these days. It doesn't have to be your first-round pick. Absolutely. No, there's, it's a much more fluid market. That, that, I guess that's – when I ask you that question, Seth, I guess I'm thinking like – Deshaun wanted a trade. He asked for a trade. He demanded a trade. I, I'll, I'll be anxious to see if we ever see a trade like that that the team is initiating. Like Lamar Jackson would be. I don't think Lamar Jackson wants to play for another team. I think he wants to right, get paid. Right. He's yeah. not demanding a trade from the Ravens. He clearly wants to play for the Ravens. The Ravens just don't want to give him a Deshaun Watson contract. So that's what I wonder. Will we yeah. see a team that either the price tag is too high or they really, they're at a stage in a rebuild where getting draft capital actually makes more sense than paying a quarterback and they initiate it? Like right now, it feels like kind of a hedge, right? right. Like I think the teams, I think right now, because this is what happened with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think anybody at Green Bay really felt like, oh yeah, we fixed this whole thing when they redid, when they gave him the new deal last year. Yeah. I think it felt like, all right, let's structure this in such a way that. It, at the very least, like, we can get out of this. Both sides felt like we want to be able to get out of this. And that's why, you know, usually these, you know, like Derek Carr's bonus or guaranteed money was due last week, and that's why they had to cut him. With Rodgers, the guarantees don't kick in until week one. So of that gives the season, Packers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that gives Pac- the Packers all kinds of windows to trade Aaron Rodgers. They've got pre-free agency. They've got pre-draft. They've got during training camp when maybe guys get injured or have their own holdouts or what have you. So there are multiple opportunities for the the Packers now to extract the most value out of them. And, and, and basically look at that guaranteed money as a down payment on picks. Yep. I think if I'm the Packers, the deadline is the draft. Because you're going to get draft picks for him as compensation and you want to try to get... If you do it after the draft, then you're not realizing... One, you're not realizing any of those gains until the following draft. And two, you don't know where those picks are. You trade Aaron Rodgers to a team. You know, you trade with the Raiders before the draft. With Aaron Rodgers, you're getting the seventh pick in the draft. You trade him to the Raiders after the draft. And if Aaron Rodgers blows up and they win 12 games this year, now your first-round draft picks you're getting are 27th or something like that. You know, that's a big difference. I'm thinking about Matt Ryan. Look, I don't think the Falcons were intending to use the – well, they guarantee Matt Ryan like $50 million. Oh, a, a lot of money, got a, yeah. Got a third-round pick out of him. Yeah, that didn't All work because out. they got caught looking at Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So basically, like, they walked in. It's seduced. like their, their wife walked in and saw him looking at some nudie mags yeah. uh, back in the day, and she flipped out yep. and said, hit the, hit the road, Jack. <laughs> they did. Yep. That's what Matt Ryan said. Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm You're going to stare here. at Deshaun Watson. I'm out of here. Damn you. I'm going to Indy. I'll show you. Yeah, I'll show you. All right. Uh, Payne and Pendergast with you uh, on a Thursday. 713-572-4610. That's the trailer wheel and frame text page. Trailer wheel and frame. All right, back to the Astros. This Lance McCullers deal, he's got a uh, he's got an issue with his throwing arm. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, not ready for opening day. What What are Lance McCullers' emotions as he deals with the latest go-round with arm trouble? That is next.